Leon Nerds. Welcome, everyone, to episode 116 of A Play on Nerds. Uh, this week, we are bringing you uh, Star Trek Into Darkness to continue our ongoing series of reviewing all the films from the Muppet and Star Trek franchises. And we've gotten pretty far, but we're going even further. Into the we darkness. are we are really close to the end, though. I think after this, we have two films left: Muppets Most Wanted and Star Trek Beyond, and then we are finite. Exactly, a long process. And by the Until way, I'm a new one of either comes out. That's true. That might happen. Uh, I'm Jarman, by the way, and this is my lovely co-host. I'm Steve, by the way. Yeah, and we're the by the way twins. <laughs> and I have to mention that we had about 45 minutes of technical difficulties before this started. Uh, our usual software we use to talk to each other online and get a clean signal from Steve uh, is not working. So we're using Skype right now. So if Steve sounds a little cloudier than usual, it's because of that so unfortunate fact. what we're trying to say is that this episode is brought to you by Skype. Yes. And my shitty laptop that is at, <laughs> at its last legs. My sister's old laptop from about 10 years ago that functions as our, our call machine it has to be on a separate computer. And it's That's just true. it's finally really crapping out. Um, it at this point has the same functionality as like a rotary telephone. <laughs> exactly. It makes noise and it makes some phone calls sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much true. That's exactly that. So before we go any further, I actually have uh, something that would maybe be in our thank you section, but it has to go here because it's relevant. Uh, last week, we had some technical problems as well when we first started and Steve did the intro by himself. <laughs> So longtime listener, uh, Paul Wright or Furbob actually made a version of the intro using the things you said. Oh, and so we're going to play that right here. Uh, I'm excited for this. Use the force, Luke. Live long and prosperous. I was going to use Tasha Stacey because it's a parakeet. Milu Dallas Monty Pat. Shut up and take my money. My grandfather's hammer. Whoopee. What, what a saving. <laughs> One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Until he's coming. <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Michael. Crimity. Frog. Your ties are cool. <laughs> so say we all. This is a, a play on There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh I thought he did a great that, job. That is so flattering for Bob. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, he's got some mad editing skills because he used to do like an audio drama using Star Trek sound effects and new voices. And he played like so many of the characters and would change his wow. voice. It was a lot of fun, but a lot of work, I would imagine. That's, so that's dedication. Yeah. Not to mention his old podcast, the Sci-Fi Waffle podcast was a lot of fun. Well, thank you, Paul Wright. And here is your well-earned shout out. <laughs> that was that was pretty awesome. So what have you been up to since our last recording a couple of weeks ago for uh, yeah, we talked we about Captain a, Marvel? Yeah, we had a little bit of a break. Drummond went on a little bit of a trip and uh, we had kind of a sick kid at home. She's at this age where she gets better for like a week and then we take her somewhere and she picks something up and then we're sick for again for a week. <laughs> oh, gosh. And we're just sort of in this continuous cycle. Uh, and this week, we this time we think we got it because we took her to the doctor's office uh, for her two and a half year ch- appointment. Oh, okay. And she is officially three feet tall, 36 Ooh, inches. That sounds really tall. She has she has sprouted up just in the last month or so. I think she's grown about two inches or so. It's been incredible. Wow. She's so big now suddenly. Two more feet, she'll be as tall as my mom. That's right. <laughs> I love you, mom. Uh, yeah, thank you, Karen. <laughs> uh, and thank you, Silver Law Charter, for sponsoring this podcast. Silzer Lodge Charter for all your immigration needs. Um, and then also we we played the last session of Dungeon World in my, in my campaign. That's and Jarman right. was there. It was so much fun. Yeah, we had a good adventure, I feel like. And I kept us on a schedule because I wanted to get it done that session. Right. Uh, and you guys got to ride a giant turtle. We did. <laughs> and we called him Donatello. Donatello, Princess Donatello wearing a little crown. <laughs> That's right. 
Uh, but that was that was fun. And uh, now I think Danny from our group is going to take over as dungeon master. German has agreed to stay on for another adventure. Yes. And German and I get to be players together again for the first time in years. Yeah, and I've been I've been uh, praising Dungeon World to all my buddies here in Orlando because the system's so much fun and leaves so much room for just like playing around and goofing around and staying it's in character. So, it's so cinematic. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I got and I got to say, there was a moment that I regretted Dungeon World uh, just this last session because German German's character Wainwright. Is a very pious religious man, <laughs> and they needed to get past some guards, so he just started babbling preacher nonsense. <laughs> about I've heard a lot light. of it. Yeah, it was just incredible. It was just this incredible improvised like speech from German, and he rolled and he failed miserably. <laughs> so no matter how good the gambit was. The dice said no, and I had to go with the dice. Like it hurt me a little bit because we were all oh. laughing. It was so funny and good, and we all <laughs> wanted it to work, but the dice said no. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, my my headcanon is that the guard was just like a staunch atheist, and so nothing would phase him, no matter how awesome it sounded. Yeah, but it was <laughs> it was a great tactic, and I I wish it would have worked. It just didn't happen. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but it was a good way to sign out, and now I'm excited to, to play with you again. So you are feeling better now, though? Not sick anymore? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I had a, a very short-lived kind of thing that put me with a cough and a sore throat for a few days. Gotcha. Last week, but I'm doing okay now. Yeah, you, sound, just, you sound good. Uh, and what have you been up to? You you had some travels and stuff. I did. And uh, so I went to Austin, Texas. Uh, me and the girlfriend, Kate, we just looked on the map and said, where, where in the U.S. have we not been city-wise that we find interesting we want to go to that wouldn't be crazy expensive? And there's two places we have interest in going to soon, which was Charleston in South Carolina. It's supposed to be a beautiful okay. city surrounded by water. And I always wanted to go to Austin because it's supposed to be a really cool, very liberal city in the middle of Texas. And uh, a lot of yeah, great good food, good food, music, uh, just it's supposed to be keep Austin weird. It's the weird city. So uh, we planned a lot of stuff. We went there and got good uh, prices on hotels and uh, flights and everything. And it was a beautiful city. Lots of lakes and rivers going through. We did a bike tour and that was really tiring, but a lot of fun. Very worth it. Um, <laughs> and sure. we had some I had some great steak and barbecue, I have to admit. Um, Ooh. Yeah, Kate spoiled me and got me this giant steak that was just, I've never eaten a steak that big. And I felt kind of ill afterwards, but it was worth it. Uh, Did it have the T-bone in it? Was it a porterhouse? No, it wasn't. It was a Wagyu New York beef something. <laughs> I'm not as familiar probably, with my... Probably a New York New York strip. Yeah, it's like no bones in it. It was just thick as hell and just giant. Um, yeah, that's half That's half of the T-bone. And the other half is the filet mignon. Oh, okay. Yeah, yep. so I said it was... A ton of money. And I was like, oh, so what sides come with? He's like, no, that's a la carte. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, but, oh, yeah. I mean, why you beef is if it was real. Now, mind you, there are very few people in very few places in the U.S. that can actually import why you beef. Oh, gotcha. It's very rare. So maybe you were at one of those places, but a lot of places claim to have it and they have really great quality beef and you're still paying for a great product, but it's not why you it's like it's like champagne, right? So if it's not from champagne, France, it's not really champagne. We're right. It might be really good. It might taste even better than champagne you would get from champagne, but it's not champagne. <laughs> yeah. It's like clean, it's like Kleenex and, you know, tissues, you know, uh, like, ba- like banding or Q-tips, you know, uh, <laughs> but my, my opinion still stands after having that wonderful steak that I would still rather have a burger anytime over having a steak. It just doesn't excite me. I wanted to give it one okay. last try to like see if I, it would really be that much better, that much expensive, but it's just it's great and all. But I just a burger just excites me more than so that's the last one you're having for your life. Is that the last time I that, spend that much money on a steak for sure? Oh, fair. I, I just thought you were just, you're like, I'm swearing them off. I'm just not doing <laughs> steaks anymore. Cause I barely ever eat red meat unless I'm going to a restaurant. But if I do, like I just will get a burger now instead of a steak. Yeah. We eat very little red meat now since we switched to meal prep. Yeah. Just like I eat a lot of chicken, turkey, so um, much ground turkey. Holy crap. I've fallen in love with ground turkey. Oh, it's great. Good and everything. Uh, but one last thing that in Austin that was exciting was I got to meet my atheist idol. Because I am a atheist, but I don't like proselytize it a lot. But um, there's a guy called Matt Dillahunty, who's a um, a very prominent uh, debater amongst atheists. Uh, he debates a lot of theist people, um, and he's gotten to do stuff recently with Sam Harris and uh, Richard Dawkins, who people might know are very popular mm-hmm. atheists right now. 
Um, and he also has his own show that's been going for 15 years called the um, the Atheist Experience, which started off as like this little uh, community show in Austin and then built to be a giant podcast YouTube show that goes out to, you know, tens of thousands of people. And all these theists call in and he questions them about their beliefs and asks them why they believe things and debates them. So I got to see a live taping of the show with Kate while I was there and it was great. I got to meet him and I was like all nervous like he's a celebrity um, and took a picture with him and got to talk a little bit. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Killer. Yeah. And then got to go to the Renaissance Festival, the biggest one in Florida is in Tampa. And it's um, the Bay Area Renfest. And it was a lot of fun. So we went in our Star Trek costumes. <laughs> so, I saw pictures from that. That was great. <laughs> and we got so many comments, especially because Kate was wearing the red Uhura dress. So she kept getting the comments over and over again of like, you're going to die soon. You're doomed to die. You're wearing a red shirt. <laughs> I know one thing about Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We got 24 comments. We counted of the different people. Uh, but the best one was you're breaking the prime directive. Someone said that to us. So that was pretty, that's funny. true. You're, they weren't wrong. <laughs> uh, also got, and this lots of us happened. I got diagnosed finally. Why I have these back problems since I was like 19, uh, finally got an MRI, got to see a doctor about it. And I have a herniated disc and arthritis in my back. Ooh, arthritis. That's fun. He said, it's weird that I haven't had an injury and that I'm not over the age of 50 and I have arthritis, which means little spines of, of bone are sticking into my nerve fibers all over. Yeah. So it's why I have such crazy back pain, but I'm on meds now that don't make me loopy. There's some muscle relaxers and I feel like a normal person. Suddenly I haven't felt this way oh. in probably a year and a half. So it's well, good for you. pretty awesome. So that was my update for the week. I'm glad you finally got some answers. Yeah, me too. It's been a long time coming. But does that mean we have some Dungeons and Dragons stuff? Uh, yeah, we can do Dopey Dungeons and Dragons. Let's do it. Uh, Let so- the Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> begin. It's DND. Fight with the legends of yore. It's DND. I had to cut you off with the music, of course. <laughs> so I was actually going to—I was going to take a break from Dopey Dungeons and Dragons because we weren't quite getting a ton of response to it, and I don't know. Maybe I thought maybe our audience wasn't that kind of nerd, and then out of nowhere, we got like a, a real, like quasi difficult request. So suddenly there was a demand, and it came from Twitter of all places. Uh, from that's quirky, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's that's weird, right? Or at quirky neuron. <laughs> that's weird, right? Or at quirky neuron. Uh, and originally asked me to do an Ewok and then said, well, that's too easy. Do specific Ewoks. <laughs> and I was like, this is a nerd that I can get on the same page with. So uh, Ewoks Caravan of Courage, one of the two live action films, the first of the two live action films that came out, uh, holds a near and dear place in my heart. I absolutely love it. And remember, it's one of my fondest. It's a great adventure movie, and it's kid-friendly, which made it that much more enjoyable. Uh, there are two characters from that that I decided to go ahead and design. And in the in the movie, they have to form a caravan of of people to go and rescue these kids' parents, and they have to find these two additional people to go with them. These two additional Ewoks. One of them is Kank, the Mystic, or uh, Chukatruk, the Warrior. Uh, so I decided to go ahead and design Kank and Chuka Truck. <laughs> I hope that fulfills your need for specific Ewoks. That's freaking specific. That's so weird. Uh, so Kank is an Ewok prince, uh, priestess, uh, a seer, a storyteller, and a keeper of wisdom. Uh, I went ahead and, and flavored Kank as a halfling. I didn't want like there's no little bear people, so it's a halfling. Uh, for smart, size purposes, nimble, yeah. kind, curious, practical—all the things that you want in a good Ewok. Uh, background of being an outlander, even even though you know she's one of the community, she lives far away from the village and chooses a life of seclusion away from people uh, and gives her survival and athletics and a few other little nice things like that. Um, and Kank for a class is a bard, not only due to them being wise and a storyteller and a keeper of all this knowledge, but also because of some of the magical things you get to see Kank do throughout the film. Uh, at one point, Kink t- tests them when they come to ask her to help them. And she, um, I believe, it puts a crystal in the boy's hands and it turns into a snake. And he gets angry, leaves, and the little girl picks it up and it turns into a cute little mouse. And then she agrees to go with them on this adventure. And uh, that, that's like, that's got prestidigitation written all over it. And then 
in the movie, there's also this little dancing light fairy thing called Katarina, uh, who could easily be flavored as the dancing lights cantrip. You know, little flavors from the movie. Uh, and then the only other real things you get to see Kank do are at one point uh, dislodges a stalactite and makes it fall on someone. And that could easily be a flavor of Mage Hand or uh, maybe shoot a firebolt or something and knock it down. Uh, and the other thing is there's a giant spider that's actually about to attack them. And Kank is able to use her magical staff to uh, hold the spider in place. And that speaks very closely to maybe an animal friendship spell or maybe even a higher level spell like Enthrall. Perfect. Uh, yeah, Bard. So Kank, the the uh, priestess, is a Bard. And then you got Chukatruk. Chukatruk is honestly one of my favorite characters from my adolescence, uh, from my childhood. Um, a warrior through and through. I flavored him as a dwarf, not only because stout and gruff, but also loyal and he has an affinity for axes, which is like a very dwarfish thing and also appropriate to dwarfs. He's killed by falling rocks. <laughs> he would need some proficiencies uh, that would also be part of the warrior kit animal handling. We see him at one point. He's very good on a horse or a pony. And you get to see that at one point he's got extreme precision with his thrown ax and actually hits another ax in the middle of its handle. Dang. Um, so like a Robin hood kind of moment. Uh, and then the end of the movie, when they're trying to escape and the Gorax is coming after them, Chukatruk stays behind and almost single handedly holds off the Gorax, giving them time to escape, uh, and saves everybody. <laughs> and he's like the big hero and he dies. Dang. Which for a kid's movie is tough. Uh, so because of that Chukatruk is a warrior through and through simple, not tons of bells and whistles. Uh, but yeah, dwarf warrior, chook truck. I have to say, and that, the, oh, what? <laughs> and there are your two specific Ewoks for the 10 people who have seen caravan of courage. <laughs> caravan of courage is a great film <laughs> and it led to a great sequel featuring Wilford Brimley. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Are you to give Wilford Brimley a build? But <laughs> no, he gets no build. He's Diabetes. a, he's a human curmudgeon. That's <laughs> And offhand, what would you say Wicket would be? I don't know. Wicket, he doesn't really display any actual. He's like ability. a peasant NPC. <laughs> maybe, maybe like an early budding druid. He understands some basic nature stuff and survival. Um, maybe even a barbarian. Well, that's what actually yeah, Quirky Neuron said. He says, I'll amend that to any Ewok as there are some who are more interesting and actually have powers beyond being sneaky and cute. Because we said Wicket was. Right. right. <laughs> and I think I think when he said that, he was implying probably Kank and Chukatruk. Uh, if I didn't hit the one that you wanted, let me know. He also could be talking about Logre, uh, the, t the town leader who has some magic abilities and a seeing stone and stuff like that. Oh, uh, yeah. It's possible, but those are the two I think he meant. So I didn't notice until we were recording that uh, two days ago uh, at Quirky Neuron said, damn, I think I came up with a better idea. I'll hold on to it for now and see how the Ewok character plays out. <laughs> okay, well, so I responded to him. I said, OK, we're recording it right now. So bring it on for next time. Bring it on. I hope I satisfied. If not, let me know. I'll be happy to try again. That was pretty. That, that's that's dopey Dungeons and Dragons. And I think that takes us into some nerd news. Yes. It's time for Nerdy News. All right. Well, I guess since you just talked for a little while, I'll go ahead and start off with mine. Okay. So big kind of news. I hope it's not your same story, but uh, Disney Fox merger is now complete. Official done in the books as of March 20th, uh, the same time that quirky neuron text or <laughs> tweeted us <laughs> the merger is officially complete. Uh, uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger says they definitely look forward to the X-Men and Fantastic Four characters joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But at the same time, Kevin Feige and others with MCU are saying that things might be really far down the road before that happens. Kind of hinting at that because they got a lot coming out pretty soon. Uh, they have as of right now, they have Black Panther 2. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, uh, a Captain Marvel sequel somewhere down the line, a uh, Black Widow standalone film, and rumors and pre-production of an Eternals movie, which I don't know much about them, and a Shang-Chi movie, which I don't know much about him, but it's going to be a, a oh. lead character of a, an Asian male as a lead character. Um, so maybe a while before there's all those characters pop in. And apparently Deadpool, 
will have a sequel, but still under the 20th Century Fox banner, so they can still have a radar movie. Um, And he can even... Uh, Okay. Yeah, and he can mention X-Men even less than before because they're going to be incorporating them into the MCU soon, so they don't want to mention it too much, confusing people, they say, uh, with an R-rated movie being associated with a Disney-owned MCU film. So... It's kind of a weird place right now, but he will have a sequel, apparently. All right. Well, Disney dominating the news. Uh, Also, they started talking about their streaming service because they now own 60% of Hulu, by the way. Yeah. Plus, they're launching Disney Plus. They've announced that they're going to have the entire Disney vault available all the time. This is crazy. They're going to bolster that with a crazy amount of content from Fox. Uh, and they're coming out with new stuff all the time. And on that note, uh, Rob Marshall, this is part of my news, uh, who just did Mary Poppins Returns, has confirmed that his next project for Disney is going to be a live-action Little Mermaid. So that's happening. I mean, they're redoing all of them live-action, right? So yeah, it had to happen eventually. Um, yeah, at least, so that's I wow. So Disney dominated our nerd news. Yeah, I mean, at least the uh, Little Mermaid will make more sense because it's more real people and not like The Lion King or The Jungle Book where it's just animated anyway just cgi animation <laughs> that made no sense <laughs> yeah true um and the new aladdin trailer looked better than the first one i would say it certainly gave us more to to get a feel for what the movie's gonna be right certainly the only thing i'm weirded out by is the young jafar like why is he so young and hot yeah they made him yeah that's not that's not right i don't like that i mean the whole point was this uncomfortable how he's trying to be with jasmine and stuff yeah is like that, that he's like 45 <laughs> and creepy like looking that. um all right. Well, uh, that is actually the perfect segue into our first game. Oh, which is a game I'm going to call "Own It, Don't Own It." I like it. Where I'm going to name some franchises, and Jarman's going to have to tell me if Disney owns them or not. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> uh, are you ready to play "Own It, Don't Own It"? I sure am. All right. So imagine after all these that I say the word "franchise." Okay. Okay. Because I don't want to say it after everyone. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> okay. So own it, don't own it. Lord of the Rings. Don't own it. That is right. Don't own it. All right. <laughs> I'm ready with these sound effects. <laughs> and mind you, some of this just became official three days ago. So That's some of this true. is fresh. I got to keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. That's why we're playing this game. All right. R- Rocky. Oh, I, for some reason, I feel like that might be paramount. So I'll say no. Yeah, they don't own it. Good yes. call. Good call. Yes. All right. Terminator. Mm. That is a universal production, so no. All right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Universal Studios has the T2 thing, the show. <laughs> oh, damn, you're right. Okay. <laughs> Home Alone. That'll say yes. Yes, they, they now own Home Alone. Because that was a Fox baby. Night at the Museum. I wouldn't have a clue, so I'm going to say yes. The yes, they now own Night at the Museum. <laughs> Oceans 11, 12, 13, 8. Mm. No. No, they do not own it. Is that like a Sony or something like that? Probably. I don't know. I didn't even write that down. <laughs> Die Hard. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's a Fox thing. Yeah, they now own Die Hard. <laughs> wow, they own everything. <laughs> Uh, alien. Mm. No, that's incorrect. They now own both alien and predator. Really? I would have yes. thought. Cause that's alien like alien and predator. I was thinking James Cameron does other stuff. Uh, oh, it's like Terminator was owned by Fox. So, oh shit. Never mind. Right. For universe. Uh, independence day. Yes. That's right. They own it now. That's crazy. All right. Here is your last one. Mm-hmm. Mad Max. Mm, no. That's right. They don't own it. I think I think that's Paramount as well. I just remember seeing like the big mountain logo. Jarman, that may be the best you have ever done on a game. I only missed one. By the, you got nine out of ten. <laughs> you missed the Alien franchise. Yeah. Uh, some other notable things that... <laughs> The other, some other notable things that Disney now owns, uh, the Avatar film franchise, which has five, four sequels planned. Wow. Uh, the Planet of the Apes franchise. Jeez. And through their acquisition of Hulu, 
they now own the handmaid's tale <laughs> out of all those things that's kind of out of all thing. the things that is the one that is the most crazy <laughs> crazy wackadoo of all of them wow that's uh they just own everything has to be like some kind of monopoly laws or something going on antitrust yeah, they laws they don't own enough yet but soon wow that's that's messed up um all right but that's been own it don't own it and I think that'll take us into our main discussion of Star Trek Into Darkness. Ta-da! So that's a, I picked that clip for a certain reason. Uh, that's the music when Khan and Spock are fighting. And you can uh-huh. hear in the beginning of it the homage to the Amok Time fight scene between Spock and Kirk in the original series. <laughs> yeah, listen to that very beginning part. Play it one more time. <laughs> yeah, that, see, it's pretty cool. They did a little, little riff there. Uh, it's funny. I've been uh, listening to our oldest episodes uh-huh. because they finally just showed back up on iTunes, by the way. Weird. They were gone All for a long old time. old ones. They were gone for a long time. All the old ones are back. And the, I just listened to the one where we reviewed Star Trek Amok Time. Okay. And uh, one of the other ones. I can't remember. But yeah. Yeah, because we picked like random episodes for you to watch, right? I had you pick two episodes that you thought exemplified ah. the show. Well, I probably changed that nowadays. It's been a long time. That's right. You're a different man now. <laughs> different experiences. Um, but yeah, so the second installment of the new JJ or Kelvin timeline universe uh, and an exciting action film and not really a Star Trek film. Definitely. Yeah. Not even, you wouldn't even call this like a star Wars type film. It's more like a, like a diehard or like an action chase movie kind of like thing. an Indiana Jones almost right. Something along those lines, but not one of the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I overall think if this movie would have been immensely better in my book, if it was not con or if con was more con. And not yeah, where Khan had been an actual Indian gentleman, <laughs> Khan Singh. Well, I, I have to bring up it's. I had it later on in the trivia, but just because this is a overshadows the whole film for me is that I do remember this now. I read this in trivia that initially Benicio del Toro was in a lot of talks to play that character, and that could have been a lot better because he can be ethnically ambiguous, and they could have beefed him up. That um, he is much more imposing. Sure. Like, when I think of threatening, I don't think of of like squirmy British <laughs> Cumberbatch. I just don't. And yeah, he could have been like um, just his, he's very weird and quirky. And that's kind of like Ricardo Montalban. He could be really intimidating, but yet at the same time charming, which is what Ricardo Montalban was. There was no charm in the Benedict Cumberbatch performance of this. No, it was cold. And the cat, he was like a lizard, which coincidentally is what Cumberbatch looks like. <laughs> right. Or an otter. Uh, and the other guy that was going <laughs> to be cast as him was uh, they had talks with uh, Demian. Beecher, which is another uh, Latin Latin actor, um, and he looks a lot like Ricardo Montalban. Uh, not as big, but he looks in the face a lot like him, and that would have been perfect. They asked Edgar Ramirez, a uh, Jordi Mola, who I recognized but didn't know the name. Um, so they apparently, I feel better about this because they tried four different Latin actors before they contacted Benedict Cumberbatch. So I don't know why they were all not doing it because a big budget film, like why wouldn't they want to? Um, but that would have been so much better. Yes, it would have been. Oh, and apparently Mickey Rourke was in the running. <laughs> I don't know when that would have happened. No, thank you. <laughs> that would you. have been terrible. Um, so the, it opens up. The, the opening is fun, and I thought was a good opening. Very Star Trek. For a Star Trek film. A very Star Trek. Right. You know, they're breaking the prime directive to save this this race uh, from an exploding volcano, and they they have to both lead them away from the path of the volcano while Spock goes in and tries to... It has all the classic makings of a great episode. Using as as science. Like a, a plot, B plot. They use science and a distraction. Ethical quandaries. They break, they break the rule. Like it's the first five minutes of this are a great episode of Star Trek. Starting off strong. And then it's all downhill from there. Um, so they, they head back after saving this, this planet Nibiru. or race or whatever. And uh, Kirk gets busted. Right, he gets yelled at by Pike, his like idol, his mentor, and he gets demoted. Uh, and Spock rats him out, so he's mad at Spock. Spock doesn't understand because he's a Vulcan. Um, and, and then have, we get 
Oh, I'll say real quick that scene though at Pike's office where Spock's bickering with with um, Kirk and Pike just finally shuts them up. I, that scene was fantastic too. Like I love their bickering. Well, was, Zachary Quinto is the his Spock is the best thing to come out of this franchise. Yeah, he did a great characterization of Spock. I think it was really. If good. any, if anyone could like do a revival or a spinoff, it would be Zachary Quinto Spock. I'd have it again. For sure. Uh, um, and then interspersed with this is this kind of like mini side story of you know, a low level Starfleet person who works somewhere and his daughter dying of some terrible disease and him making a deal with this mysterious man to save his daughter in order to do in, in exchange for doing something terrible. And once again, still interesting at this point. I'm like, OK, cool. Still good. Still a Star Trek movie. All right. <laughs> um, and. Then we la- we later find out that this guy goes, says goodbye to his daughter, and then takes a ring that was given to him by this mysterious man, puts it in a glass of water, and blows up a huge government or Starfleet building. Starfleet uh, archive building, apparently, in London. An archive building. Um, so all the captains and their firsts are called into a meeting, an emergency meeting. So Kirk goes with Pike as his first officer for the first time uh, to this meeting, and they talk about the person they think that perpetrated it and he's a, a turned government operative of some sort and they review where he went and stole something. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's a uh, Admiral Marcus who's at heading the meeting um, and saying that uh, he was working for us and then he stole something. We don't know what he stole out of the government archive and, and Kirk's one who discovers that he's like, well, why would he be in this archive? He must've wanted something specific from there. Uh, do we ever figure out what he wanted from that archive? Well, no, what he wanted from the archive and what Kirk slowly discovers over the course of talking it out uh, is that the reason that he did it was because he knew that Starfleet orders dictated that all the captains would get together in this room. Right. And that's when Kirk realizes it's going to be an ambush. So he didn't want anything from there anyway. He didn't. It was just to get them all together. Uh, so, so far you're like, oh, he's a great calculating villain. And then he just shows up in a spaceship and starts blowing stuff up. And that's where it stops being a Star Trek film. I mean, even I, at that I point, literally feel from this point on, it is a, just a different movie. I, even at that point, though, where it's like killing all the admirals. Whoa, that's crazy. And that's so smart that he would do that to make their, they all go in the same room. And then Kirk, you know, gets this roguish saves the day by throwing that thing in there. I'm still OK with all that. That's fine. Yeah, sure. That was a smart solution to dealing with the craft. Right. Uh, and you got to see that Khan has some sort of tech that allows him to teleport on his own. So there were like, you're OK, you're right. It's so far still on the rails. I won't count that. <laughs> it's still on the rails. Um, and so Starfleet is in shambles. Kirk disheveled and, and broken by the death of Pike goes to Marcus and says, let me go get that son of a bitch. And I think it was actually, that's what it is. It was when he said like, get the son of a bitch, I think was when the, the Star Trek movie ended. I mean, the, from that point on, cause I can still see Kirk saying, just mind you a little bit later in the movie, but that's not the point. Right. <laughs> Um, and so therefore they, he lets Kirk become captain again of the enterprise and Spock back as his first officer. But, uh, yeah, he sends him off to go take care of Khan, which they discovered through, through deduction. Somehow a Scotty figures out where he teleported to all the way to Kronos, the Klingon capital. And so he, uh, Marcus wants to send him there with 72, uh, missiles to and kill he wants him. him to fire all of them and then haul ass and get out of there. Yeah, because they're currently like kind the of most Star Trek plan ever. Right. Really Star Trek. And but the good thing is, at least on their own, the good part of this is that a lot of people are saying, don't do this. This isn't like Starfleet. Like, um, you know, Scotty has reservations Scotty having the missiles Spock. on board. Spock says this is really weird to go kill someone without a trial. This is strange. Uh, but Kirk is blinded by the death of, of Pike and he just wants revenge. So he's going yeah. along with it for now. And McCoy is worried about his health and the state he's in. Uh, and then randomly, there's this hot new blonde Starfleet officer who's there Alice for no Eve. reason suddenly. Um, and so they set out. They find Khan. They go down to Kronos. Uh, Uhura gets to speak Klingon, which is exciting because they get confronted. And they get into a big all-out just fight scene with the Klingons. Yeah, because it's a cool scene at first. Uhura like, talking Klingon to them and saying, we're searching for someone here on your planet. Um, and he's like, why should You're we not care? Your enemy and all that. And he's stuff. like, this man has no honor. And then, so that, I thought it was going to work out. And all of a sudden the Klingon grabs her by the throat. And that's when Khan starts shooting at all of them. I feel like it's when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons and your bard is trying really hard to like 
persuade the shit out of someone and then your fighter comes in and just murder hobos Yarr. everywhere just stabs and punches a guy in the face and it falls apart yes and there was i did have a cool little moments there it just sucks that it's been at cumberbatch doing it but the fact that he was toe-to-toe with those klingons and kicking some ass because he was he's con he should it just sucks that right. it was Benedict cumberbatch so i couldn't feel as cool about it um right you didn't feel good about it yeah and uh, then Kirk so, getting his butt kicked because they're supposed to be strong Klingons. Yeah. Uh, so Khan kills all the Klingons and then basically submits himself to arrest after Kirk reveals that they have 72 photon torpedoes aimed at the or missiles aimed at the planet. And in hindsight, we know it's because he now knows that all of his people are on that his ship. crew. Or, right. Yeah. Uh, so he goes into their custody. Uh, Kirk has officially disobeyed orders. By not killing him automatically. By yeah. not killing him, and they go to head back, and their engine fails. Interesting. And that's when Kirk realizes they've probably been set up. Right. So he talks to Khan against the best wishes of uh, Spock and everybody else uh, through like the little little jail cell on the Enterprise, and Khan convinces him after telling him who he is, and he goes, "I'm Khan," and he's like, "I don't know who that is." <laughs> so that moment really meant nothing because he's like, "Yeah, great, you're Khan. I don't know what that means." Um, but then so I don't. Uh, I don't know where a huge starship shows up. Is that right? Well, after Khan explains to him oh, that this right. is probably Marcus is doing all of this. He's he's trapped you here so he can blame you and then just disavow knowledge of anything happening. So that way it won't be his fault when the, the Klingon war starts and he's killed all my men and killed me. Um, so then, yeah, the giant warship comes. At this point, we figured out that the woman on board, Alice Eve, is Carol Marcus. She's Admiral Marcus's daughter. Um yep. After the pointless bra shot that we get earlier on in the film. Hey, there was a point to it. Had <laughs> <laughs> hey, plot and stuff. They asked her about that in an interview and she was like, uh, they said, wasn't that a little gratuitous? And she says, well, not for me because I worked out like hell to get in that good shape to have that one shot in the movie. So I'm really happy it's there because I look great. That's true. <laughs> so I was good like, for good her. for you, Elsie. Yeah, good point on that. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so Marcus shows up and he's like, uh, what's going on? Why didn't you kill him? And then they basically, he basically realizes that Kirk knows everything and that he's going to have to kill Kirk because he's all, they're all witnesses now and they have to have his plan go according to plan. Uh, so he starts attacking the enterprise. Yeah. Tears it apart. This ship that they've made that the giant one is huge armed to the teeth. And at some point they explain that it's meant to be run with a minimal crew. Like it is meant to be a military vessel. It's the vengeance. I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then just as about there to about to strike the killing blow to the enterprise, um, their main weapon is disabled. And that's when you realize Scotty has somehow gotten on board. Right. Cause earlier on, uh, I think Khan had given him coordinates of where section 31 was like making this vehicle. And so he messages Scotty talks to him and says, can you check out these coordinates? I know you're mad at me for taking this mission on and he's off the ship already. But he's like, can you check out these coordinates for me? So Scotty goes there begrudgingly and finds this giant base making this giant ship. So he sneaks on board. And so then later on, we forget about that. It happened. And then all of a sudden he shuts down their main weapons uh, just in the nick of time. After Carol Marcus <coughs> had already talked to her father, trying to convince him not to blow up the ship. He transports her over so he can continue blowing up the ship. But Scotty saves the day. Uh, so that gives them time to form a plan. And that is when Kirk and Khan decide to do just... I don't know. Team this, up. Another thing that just did not feel Star Trekky was this goofy through the asteroid scene. Oh yeah, where they fly out of the ship just in the little their uh, little outfits. like suits, and they've got to hit a little tiny door. And Scotty's got to let him in, but Scotty's dealing with like a security guard member who found him. Right. And he hits the button, and the guy goes out into space. They come in. It's just a whole lot of drama for nothing because you know they're not going to die. And Scotty so just killed someone in cold blood. Film. That's not like Scarfleet either. <laughs> well, especially after earlier where he said that he he's like an explorer. He's not military. Like he made a point of saying that. And at least he says, so, I'm sorry before he kills him, but he did kill him. Um, yeah. So Scotty kills a guy, uh, <laughs> but Khan and Kirk are on the ship. They go and they confront Marcus on the bridge and dispatch him pretty easily. And uh, Khan, Khan smashes Khan, his head in. <laughs> Khan kills him pretty good. Uh, and then they stun Khan, and, but Khan is superhuman, and so he wait like brushes off the stun, right? And, and he and I think it's be this would be also more effective if we had a charming, funny, and and fiercely intelligent Khan this whole time who was snarky but always ahead of the game, 
and then suddenly let out this brute force of smashing her leg, Alice Eve's leg, crushing the head of uh, Marcus. You'd be like, holy crap, this guy is multi-leveled because he was so charming before. Now he's just (laughs) a brute, scary force. But we didn't get any of that. There wasn't that arc of a character or anything. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so Khan now has control of the vengeance. Um, Khan plans to bargain with Spock in exchange for, you know, Kirk and them for his crew who are inside of these these missiles. Right. So Spock Uh, secretly uh, has them remove the people from the the missiles and so that they're just the shells now. And mm -hmm. he pretends to transport them all over to the vengeance um, and then. I forgot what happened exactly after that. <laughs> um, so he transports them over, but then says he's going to kill them anyway. It's not just the shell; it's the actual torpedoes. So the, he they right. blow the torpedoes uh, that are now in their in the Vengeance's bay and disable the ship. And so apparently, somehow along the line, they are now next to Earth. I didn't realize when that happened, but uh, well, at the time, so the the Enterprise was in warp, right, headed back to Earth. And that is when it got intercepted. So who knows how close they were when that interception happened. And this is something that happens. What's about to happen is what happens in so many Star Trek films, especially the movies, where something happens in their atmosphere of Earth. And there are apparently no orbital platforms protecting Earth, no fleets protecting the planet. Things just happen in these Star Trek films quite often where things crash into Earth or battles happen above Earth and there's nothing protecting Earth. Yeah, just right. these two ships and like they don't see this giant ship crashing in and blow it out of the sky or uh, try to contact it or something. Nothing happens. Yeah. So Khan crashes the vengeance into downtown San Francisco. Destroys Alcatraz. And, and somehow escapes. Spock goes uh, Kirk. Okay, so all of this in the middle of all this shit. <laughs> right. The Enterprise's warp core is offline. It's misaligned and will not work. And it affects the stabilizers, so the fact they're going to crash in the atmosphere and basically blow up and die unless they get the stabilizers working So Kirk goes into the core, which set up earlier by Scotty is like a terrible nuclear thing. Right. And he gets terrible radiation poison, but gets it to work again. And this is the swap of what happened in Wrath of Khan, where Spock is the one that went in. Right. And ends up being the one that died. So now we have Kirk and him playing out the moment of I'll always be your friend. And they say them trapped on the other side of the glass. It's a really nice moment. It is. It's acted very well, too. And I feel like almost redeemed the film until they didn't pay it off. And we can talk about that in a minute. Right. So who Spock gets the giant con and it sounds almost comical the way he did it, but it, it was passionate. But it's just his voice was so high. I don't know. It's something about it. It's made it kind of not effective. So he goes down to the surface, goes after Khan. They have a fight scene on top of a floating car. Uhura is somehow also there. She gets there uh, later, yeah. And Spock breaks Khan's arm. I enjoyed the reference. fact that it's a Vulcan to uh, a superhuman. I think that's appropriate. It's kind of cool watching them fight. Yeah. Um, but not only that, he breaks his arm, and it, it plays back earlier to Khan where he basically taunts spock and says like would you break bone so it's some dumb thing and they take him back because they need his blood because it's magic and it's gonna <laughs> save kirk and this this is where this movie just it made the it made a wrong choice it just did right and if they had i'd, I'd be okay with it like so many other films of any kind of genre if you have one line explaining why that wouldn't fix everything forever in that universe why wouldn't they replicate that blood and cure every disease, not let anyone die? It breaks the entire universe. Unless you give us one line that says it can only be used this one last time because of this and this or something. In long- I'm OK with it. Saving Kirk. If you just give some explanation of why that doesn't cure all ails for the rest of time, which is or ridiculous. Con- or Khan dies. And because of that, it disables the blood. Yeah, or, or anything. Yeah. yeah, something. Some line, be creative. But that was, yeah, but, it's, it's, it breaks the universe. But this is, no, I think this is where this failed as a franchise. So the second movie, uh, the original, Rathacon, Spock dies, gets loaded into a torpedo, and through, we'll say, science magic, uh, is able to be revived in the third film. And the third film was them searching for Spock, the search for Spock. And as a, it was a monumental uh, science experiment of this Genesis planet that was really difficult to reproduce. And it was a, a it was, it wasn't going to work out in the end, but just because of the right circumstances, he was able to come back to life. And that's a 
that's a big difference than eh, magic blood, whatever <laughs> magic blood. But for them not to kill Kirk, for them to wuss out and then not make the next film, the search for Kirk was so dumb. It was so dumb from them as a franchise to not pursue it after they set those cards up so well. Right. They could have had something more meaningful. But it took all the meaning of that last moment between Kirk and Spock, and it made it mean nothing. Yeah. Unlike in Wrath of Khan, where Spock died. And they had to earn it back over two movies. Yeah. Because even in the third, fourth film, he's still getting back to being who he was. Like he's it's still repercussions from the second film. Like he's not. And even Spock. in this one, they echo like they're back at Starfleet on Earth and they're all in their uniforms. And they're mourning the dead. And like they, that was supposed to echo the scene where they load Spock into the the uh, tube, the sunglasses and, case. And, yeah. Yeah. And shoot him out. And like, but that was that had real emotion to it. And this had nothing. Yeah. It just wasn't. They, f- they failed this franchise. They failed this franchise so hard right there. Khan was a misstep, and then that death was a misstep, and bringing back was a misstep. It's just like everything. <sighs> Good elements in this film, but just a terrible story and bad structure. And just like they had our early talks about making this movie more about something scientific and not having a main villain, but having like a an ethical issue or something else being the main antagonist. Right. And that would have been great. They should have gone yeah, that direction. <laughs> you can't slap an ethical issue on a poster. So right. they, that's, they, they didn't go with it. Or there's just uh, so many other original series episodes that have cool stories that are smaller and not like so iconic as Khan that they could have made their own and made interesting. But yeah. they didn't do that either. Um, but because, uh, because of that, this one is my least favorite of the Kelvin universe. Uh, I, I have to agree because even though the villain is even more boring and beyond... Uh, beyond overall, it's just a better movie. And not only that, they it felt more like Star Trek. Like it they, felt a lot like Star Trek. Yeah, and we'll talk about it when we review it. But because of that, Into Darkness falls dead last on the Kelvin universe for me. I still really like it, but I definitely dead last for me too because of just all the problems. Yeah. Um. So a little bit of trivia I uh, found here that was we didn't cover already. Uh, unfortunately, it's the highest grossing film of all the Star Trek JJ verse movies and all Star Trek movies. Period. J.J. Wow. Uh, Abrams briefly considered casting William Shatner in a small, pivotal role, but ultimately changed his mind. Probably Marcus. Um, uh, I don't know if they'd have him playing a different character. He'd probably have to play Kirk somehow. Because no. if Leonard Nimoy is playing Spock in the same movie, I don't know if he'd be able to do that. Anyways. Uh, I guess. I don't know. So, J.J. Uh, Abrams pitched the villain to Benedict Cumberbatch as a combination of the Joker from The Dark Knight Hannibal Lecter and Jack Torrance from the shining. And I thought this made sense of things since Khan was just angry the whole time and not confident and playful. Like there was none of the, the Joker. Yeah, you're right. That. that doesn't make any sense. And there's none of the Joker <laughs> in that at all. Like he didn't play no. like chaos. He had reasoning behind every action he did. So none of that makes any sense. Um, and I covered the rest of it. Actually, all the things they were going to cast as uh as um, okay, cool. As a con, yeah, all the people they were going to cast, but they didn't. But all I'm right, just really glad they didn't cast Mickey Rourke. <laughs> That's true. Okay, people, we have one Star Trek and one Muppet movie left. That's it. Close to the end of it, like a two and a half year journey, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's been Star Trek Into Darkness. So now that takes us on to some trailer reviews. Here at A Play on Nerds, we have spent years refining our exclusive trailer rating system. Literally at the years. low, low end of the <laughs> scale, we have Burn It, where we think you should find every copy you can get your hands on and throw it into a barrel fire. To burn it, Fahrenheit 451 style. And second from the bottom, we have We'll See. Maybe the trailer was too short. Maybe it was cut oddly. Or maybe we don't know what the hell we just watched. Eh, we'll see. Up next, we have Give It a Buck. Whether you hit a red box, a dollar movie theater in the bad part of town, or a cheap online rental, give this movie a buck and enjoy it without breaking the bank. And at the top of our rating system, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. The wallets have been charmed out of our pockets, and we are ready to make our hard-earned cash disappear. And that's our patent-pending trailer rating system for A Play on Nerds. All right. Which one do you want to talk about first? So let's talk about uh, the one that seems the most straightforward. 
I'm going to say that's that's Brightburn. All right, so here's Brightburn. Mom, who am I? You are a gift. We believe that you came here for a reason. I know it's been difficult for you lately. That you feel different from other kids. Just the floor, Brian. <laughs> you are different. Caitlin, get my hand up. He's a creep. Help him up. Doing? I want him in handcuffs and I want him gone. Do you even know who his real mother is? I'm his real mother. Let's go. Maybe there is something wrong with Brandon. I will never turn against our son. He's not my son. Something wrong? Boy around by chance. You're one of the only people in the world that knows how special I am. There are believed to be no survivors among the 268 passengers on board. No, no, no. Whatever you've done, I know there is good inside you. I want to do good, Mom. I do. All right, so this was actually, I just listened to the Rusted Robot podcast talking about this trailer, um, and they brought up a good point that it's basically like the origin story of Superman, but when he goes bad. <laughs> right, 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 and that's really what it illustrates. It's you, in, in a lot of mediums that cover Superman, uh, it covers like, well, how would I defeat Superman? Or there's a contingency, or Batman has a contingency to defeat Superman. And I think a lot of the question that comes up is like, what if he wasn't on our side? right. And I think this is the what if he wasn't on our side from the get go. <laughs> uh, it looks dark. James Gunn all over this, who I trust and like, despite some recent turmoil. Uh, and, and he did direct it. He has produced it. Apparently, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to to see what this is. And I'm excited for a super villain film. And you guys should watch the trailer because he wears this weird costume that he makes for himself. It's really creepy. So it's like a horror film, basically. Oh yeah. Um, but I was, I, I wrote that it, I think in real life, if this happened, it would be somewhere in the middle between Clark Kent, who's like a total boy scout. And then this guy who's an evil bastard, I think it'd be like a regular person would just come out like doing good and bad things, you know, but depending on yeah. his parents, but would never be as perfect as Clark Kent, but never as bad as this either. Hopefully that's true. Yeah. Hopefully you hope. Yeah. One but yeah, hope. this gets a, a shut up and take my money pending the child. Really? Wow. For me, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, a horror super. I mean, this looks like it's right up my alley. Perfect. Well, I said give it a buck. That doesn't usually happen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. That's true. So our next one is an unusual pick, but it's uh, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. I was born by the special will of heaven to restore the lost age of chivalry. I am Don Quixote de la Mancha. Ah! And cut right there. Good work. I want to drop some of the shots. Why? Because it isn't working. Because my client isn't happy. Because the whole concept is ridiculous. You are Don Quixote. It's your concept. It's your vision. I want you to keep an eye on her. Do that for me. I'm the boss's wife. <gasps> Jackie! Javier? Sancho? You crazy peasant. You think you can hide from me? We shall have such great adventures together. <gasps> I am Don Quixote de la Mancha, and I command you to release my squire. Don Quixote. Wow. Now he actually believes he's Don Quixote. This is going to be fun. Don Quixote de la Mancha. Come to restore the lost age of chivalry. Well, I wrote that. Blasphemer. Can I read? <laughs> a peasant like you cannot read. I will sound the words. And you... Can look at the pictures. I really like your big adventures, Don Quixote. He's probably wet himself. I don't like this. Why does everything always have to be about you, Sancho? Me, 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 me. I am Don Quixote. So that trailer didn't probably let you know what the hell is going on audio wise, but 
basically Terry Gilliam of Monty Python fame. He's the one American in Monty Python who did all the illustrations and then he yep. went to become uh, he's a director. He did Brazil, which I still haven't seen. I'm sad to say. Um, I think Imaginary he, Dr. Parnassus, uh, Time Bandits, Time Bandits. Um, uh, there are more. I just can't think of them. So he's been working on this movie for 25 years and the original movie of it, I think, was with Johnny Depp and somebody else. And the production has went into hell and never got made. I think a documentary was made about it. They made like a film out of the bits of the film he made. And like it's kind of a half documentary, something like that. And then he redid it all over again now with um, Jonathan Price playing the Don Quixote right. character and Adam Driver playing Sancho. But it's um, it's now become a movie about making a movie about Don Quixote. Right, it's like him exploring his own turmoil making this film. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like a movie within a movie within a movie within a meta idea. It's very strange. And like, you know, he turns into Sancho Panza and somehow invokes the world of Don Quixote into the real world. But not all of it because they were into those cops at one point. Yeah, it's like who knows what the hell's going on in this film because it's Terry Gilliam. It's going to be weird and pretty and yeah. strange. <laughs> um, and because of that, this gives a, gets a give it a buck for me because I don't I don't know if I'm going to like it or want to sit through two hours of it. Right, I feel uh, the same honestly. way. And I think like it's only going to be a limited release in theaters anyway. But it seems so weird that I definitely would want to watch it at some point. So I'll say give it a buck as well. Uh, this is exciting, though. I'm looking up Terry G- uh, Gilliam, and he is working on Time Bandits, the TV show. Oh, that should be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Glad he's got um, work. But yeah, give it a buck. Uh, so we do have some talk here about uh, Stranger Things Season 3. It had a great trailer out, but there's not yeah. a lot of talking in it. It's mostly music, so I'm not really bothering playing that yeah. here. Uh, great looking trailer. If anything, I'm surprised they showed us so much, which makes me think that there's a lot they're not showing. Even more they're not showing us. I wrote that too. They show us a lot, but don't actually tell us anything about the plot of the show, of the, you of got the season. Carrie Yule's in there as some sort of maybe evil, crooked politician. I love You got him. Jake Busey walking around looking like a psychopath. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm going to bet that we're going to meet other of, we'll say, 11 siblings, quote unquote. Possibly. There's still some th- we hadn't seen yet, right? I can almost guarantee that we are going to meet them. We've only seen two. Two of, of at oh, least okay. 11. I thought there was more in that initial group she hung out with. No, it was just her and the Indian girl, I think, who right. was eight, maybe. I don't remember her number, maybe four. Um, but yeah, there, there are at least nine other kids out there in theory, and some of them probably still work for the government. Gotcha. Uh, so I'm, I am so excited. I like that they're bringing in the mall craze. Yeah, she's like amazed at the 80s. mall. There is so much I'm so excited for about this upcoming season. I'm so excited. I'm about to rewatch the first two seasons because they're, they're on like eight episodes a piece, right? Yeah, but they're long, like hour-ish each. Right, but worth it. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, and, and now I know what I'm going to do July 4th weekend. And it looks like they have a much bigger budget, even more. Like it's even, and it was great. They always have a lot of CGI, but also a lot of practical effects. I love that they mix both of those because oh, yeah. they had like a weird blood creature toward the end of the trailer. It looked really creepy, but it's definitely practical effects. It looked great. Yeah. So excited. So excited. If you haven't seen the trailer, check it out. Stranger Things season three. Shut up. Take my money. You already have a Netflix. Yeah. I was like, shut up and take my Netflix money. Shut <laughs> up and take my money. Shut up and continue to take my money. <laughs> even more of it. Um, all right. And that takes us into some radical recommends. Yeah. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend pleasant. All right, what you got for us this week, buddy? All right, so this week in my continuing dive into YouTube and cool, interesting content, I found uh, this guy, Bare Metal HW. And the HW stands for Hot Wheels. Huh. And this guy finds old retro Hot Wheels that are in real banged-up shape at garage sales and junk stores, and he refurbishes them. Oh, that's fun. Stripping paint and shining and finding and have scavenging replacement parts and making custom tires. Uh, and he is just, it's super interesting to watch and super nostalgic because I see some hot wheels and I'm like, Oh, I remember seeing that one. Um, super cool bare metal HW. He's got a ton of content, tons of cars. He talks about specific types. He's trying to collect and 
and rare ones he's been looking for for a long time. But it's just this continued theme I'm finding of finding people extremely passionate about mundane things and it makes you excited about them. Right. And we all play with Hot Wheels when we were kids. Oh, yeah. So Bare Metal HW, check it out. Hot Wheels Restoration. Very cool. And my other quick radical recommend is we got an instant pot and we love it. Oh, I have an instant pot as well. And I have to wait real quick, though. Is it Bare Metal B-A-R-E or B-E-R-A-R? Uh, B-A-R-E. Gotcha. Bare so I'll make sure we got Metal that right. HW. Uh, but you yeah, inst- Instapot, that is, I've loved it. It's been great. Holy crap. We sauteed onions, which took no time at all. It was incredible. And then we just dumped in all, a bunch of ground turkey, beans, corn, and fajita seasoning. And we left it alone for 40 minutes. And then we had four or five days worth of food. I'm surprised you let it alone that long. Did you pressure cook it? Yeah. Because I pressure cook things for like 15 minutes and then it's like fully cooked and done. Well, what I'm finding, so I'm not talking about it's cooking for 40 minutes. So here's the one thing I'm learning about Instapot. It doesn't drastically cut down on the overall amount of time it takes, but there's no active cooking. Like you don't have to do anything. (laughs) Right. Because the pot takes five to 10 minutes, sometimes up to 15 to like warm up. Right. And that's when the cooking counter starts. So even if it's only cooking 10 or 12 minutes then it cooks that 10 or 12 minutes and then there's like a 10 to 15 minutes when you can't get the top off because of the pressure. It's got to cool down. So it it really is. It's 40 minutes front to back, but you're not doing anything. Right. And plus, whenever I put chicken in there, like I made chicken tikka masala in there and it's the chicken is so juicy and tender and perfectly cooked. It's not like worrying about putting the oven and drying it out. It's like it's just wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. So we did a big thing of rice in there and a big thing of this like fajita bowl, basically a healthy fajita bowl. And that's we ate through that this week. It was amazing. Nice. I got to try mine again soon. I have a couple books of recipes now and I've only gone through like four of them. And I put a little date with a, mar- a Sharpie when I when I tried it. Oh, it's cute. You should try that out, too. All right. Get some books for it. So, yeah, uh, bare, bare Metal HW and Instapot. What, what's your recommend? I got a couple couple ones real quick, too. Uh, I saw while I was in Austin, Texas, I went to their famous Alamo Drafthouse Theater. They have a few of them Ooh. there. I didn't go to the oldest one because we didn't have the right showing time uh, time for the movie. Uh, but the Alamo Drafthouse is really cool because they're really strict about no phones. If you're caught with a phone out, texting or otherwise, you will kicked out of the theater and you do not get a refund. It's like in the agreement when you buy a ticket. Um, wow. And no talking. And what the cool thing is they curate the pre-show for each movie you're watching. So if you're watching, okay. we watch Captain Marvel. We made sure to get there the 25 minutes early because the whole pre-show did a, a whole documentary about the history of Captain Marvel. And it basically covered a lot of the stuff we covered on our show last week, which was really funny. <laughs> nice. But it shows like graphics from the, the old comics. It gives it fun. It's really funny. Then they had interviews with the, the crew and the cast and they do a little featurettes and little um, short films. It's just really cool. But instead of watching a generic pre-show that has nothing to do with the movie, they make sure every pre-show is related. And it's like, that is really cool. It gets um, you amped up for the movie. You're yeah, about to watch. exactly. And they had it's a big, long table in front of you. So you have I put a little flag up and a waiter comes over and gets you drinks or, or food or desserts. Um, so you can eat while you're there, too. So it was a great experience overall. And the movie um, I recommend it. Obviously, anyone who watches all the MCU movies is going to watch Captain Marvel. Um, did you see it yet? I did. OK, so we can talk about it a little bit. Um, I thought it was perfectly fine. It was serviceable. Uh, I think the character is awesome and they set it up really well. Uh, I love the 90s stuff and the the buddy cop duo of Nick Fury and Carol Danvers was really yep. cool. Um, and yeah, it worked fine as a setup for the for the character. I didn't think they pushed any of the feminist thing people were worried about too much at all. There was like, no, it was pr- perfectly appropriate. They have to I, push it a little bit. So I'm fine with that. My, my issues with the film are that I think, uh, hey, kid, a little coffee. Uh, yeah, that Carol Danver. Danvers, the main character, fell a little bit flat emotionally. I hope that we get to see more range. Yeah, that's true. She seemed like um, from, from Brie Larson as her. Like, I just felt it was a little bit limited. They didn't give her a big range of emotions throughout most of the film. You're right. Like her. And I know that actress Brie Larson can do a shit ton with her emotions. Oh, yeah. She's a great actress. Uh, look at her in uh, Scott Pilgrim or in um, Room. The movie Room was she was just amazing in that. Um yeah, so I feel like maybe she was just trying to focus on too many things at once as a superhero for the first time that it was kind of hard to like also yeah. push that. So so if anything, it's just a hope that we're going to get to see more. And my not issue, but um, 
a lot of guesses were made about what sort of the next chapter of the MCU was going to be about after this one concludes. And I think some, a lot of those theories are out the window now. What were those theories? Uh, without getting too spoilery, uh, the, the scroll invasion of earth. Oh, right. People had a lot of theories about that and those probably aren't going to happen now. <laughs> right. So it worries me that I don't know, but at the same time, it's exciting that I don't know. I agree. Like uh, I'm excited now to see what the heck they're going to do now that the main theory is kind of out the window. That's true. I like that. Uh, but if you look at the marketing for captain Marvel, uh, she's posing in the way that all the males used to typically pose like the power poses and not like a typical pose. They put Scarlet witch and um, black widow with their butts sticking out and their boobs are sticking out. And so I love that they, from the get go, they just posed her as a hero, not as a sexual object. And this whole movie, she's not sexualized either. She's just a person. She's a going through this journey. And it's like, you can see how they subtly did that you know, without, you know, doing anything intense or in your face or annoying. Um, and that was wonderful. And they could have done something intense and they deserve to, because we need to push the feminist agenda in these movies. So it doesn't exist. Um, even wonder woman was sexualized in Batman versus Superman or no justice league. They like whichever one it was. Yeah. They changed the outfits from wonder woman to that movie to be more sexualized. And the shots were even going up their legs and stuff. And it's like, what the fuck? Um, so yeah, it was, I, I thought it was good. It was really good. I'm excited for what she's going to bring to the future movies. Um, yeah. And Star Trek Discovery is my other radical recommend because it's even more awesome the second season than it was first season. Um, I totally understand a lot of people's problem with it the first season because it wasn't didn't feel very Star Trek. Uh, but I think that was all just great setup. If you watch the last episode of the first season without spoiling anything of Discovery, it says it kind of gives you a moment of now we're ready to start the show. The very last episode, it's like, okay, all that was set up. And now we can we can be a regular Star Trek show because we've gotten this crew together and it makes sense now. And right. so season two feels totally like a Star Trek show. They have it's not a spoiler. It's on all the trailers. Captain Pike is throughout the whole series. He's there and he's amazing. Um, and so it's just even if, if you really hated the season one, you can actually skip it and just start at season two and you'll feel the Star Trek feels. Um, so it's great. OK, good. Yeah. All right. Uh, we, do we have a thank you section aside from thanking for Bob or Paul Wright one more time? Uh, we do not. And, uh, oh, th- that's so weird or squirmy neuron. What was the guy? Oh, yeah. I've already lost his name, but quirky neuron, I believe it was. Quirky neuron. That's so weird. Thank you for the suggestions. I'm looking forward to the next one now that I got this one out of the Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Uh, so thanks. We'll keep coming back and being your nerdy co-host if you guys keep coming back and being our nerdy audience. So thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. How?